Good morning, everyone. I love when Meredith's message is so on point, which is pretty much regularly. So if this sermon is just terrible, stick with what she said. You always love to hear that before a message, right? Uh, and I do want to uh, acknowledge that we did watch a children's time video. We are going to be watching videos for the next few weeks just as COVID, COVID rates continue to uh, accelerate. So we just want you to know we want your kiddo to be safe. We don't want everyone coming forward and the videos are great anyways. Uh, also, that passage, the second one about bald head, we're not covering that one. I don't know if you were able to read it. Go away, bald head, go away, bald head. That's not a passage we're covering, so if you're very interested in that, feel free to go look it up on your own. Okay, will you all join me in prayer this morning? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever read a passage from the Bible and found yourself asking, I'm sorry, what? That's what this sermon series is all about. Of course, we cannot cover every complicated passage, nor would we even want to. That sounds real exhausting for everyone. But during this series, we are going to look at four different passages, and with each week, we'll consider what we can learn about coming up against difficult scripture in general. Now, during this series, I want to encourage all of us to seriously consider our answer as to what role the Bible plays in our own personal lives. The Bible is extremely important. That is probably widely accepted among all of us. But each of us are gonna have our own ideas surrounding the Bible and the content found inside. And let me say right from the beginning of the series that we are all going to have different ideas and that's okay. It's okay if one of us reads scripture literally, and if another one of us has a more non-literal reading. It is important for each of us to know what we believe. Maybe this is something you've never really thought of before, or maybe you've never had the language for what exactly you believe about the Bible. Maybe for others of you, this is going to be a complete bore today because you know exactly what you believe about the Bible and the role that it plays in your life. I hope for each of us in every stage of Bible discovery that we feel encouraged to think critically about scripture and that we each walk away learning something that maybe we didn't know before. The majority of what we will talk about this morning will be how the Methodist or the Methodist historically understand scripture. Let me reiterate one more time. We can have different opinions and still all be trying to follow Jesus. That's the beauty in our diversity. There is always more to learn. There's more to learn from scripture and from one another as we hear each other's different takes. 
if we were all to hold the same truths down to the last detail, well, there wouldn't be much room for growth. For me, the biggest part is that we all believe in Jesus and are trying to love others like Jesus loved them. From that, I hope we will all continue to think critically, that we will look at our own personal beliefs and how they compare to those around us, and that we not shy away from discovering something new in the midst of it all. When we talk about the Bible, scripture, there are two big hurdles that we have to address in how we understand the Bible. Today, it makes sense for us to begin with a general topic of how we read the Bible. If you've grown up in the church or just been around for a while, you probably know that there are a number of ways to go deeper in Scripture. Some people prefer to read the Bible all the way through from beginning to end, maybe literally all the way through or just through a reading plan that has suggestions of how to read your Bible in a year. Others use a study Bible as they read Scripture that not only has scripture listed, but also has footnotes of helpful information of how this scripture was translated over the years. Those study Bibles often also have commentary throughout them on particular passages. Others of us may go deeper in scripture by attending Bible studies or by using existing studies on their own. And still others of us may use historical text or historical sermons and commentaries as we read the text. If you haven't got the picture already, I could go on and on and on of describing the different ways people can go deeper in the Bible. And I'm sure some of you here and those with us online are thinking, she didn't even talk about how I read the Bible. As we consider what it means to read difficult passages of scripture, we've already hit our first big hurdle. If everyone has their own way of studying the Bible, then which one of us is doing it right? Which one of us is going deeper the right way, the best way? And that answer is going to depend on how each of us learns best, and it's going to differ exponentially between us all. The beautiful thing is that there is not an absolute wrong way to read the Bible. Yes, even those of us who do the move that I did all through middle school, where I would be going through this really hard time in my life, and I'd open up the Bible, close my eyes, and point to a scripture reading and hope that God was talking to me through that scripture. That for sure is probably not the most effective way to read your Bible, but it's not necessarily wrong either. In the Methodist tradition, we believe that everything the Bible says is important to us. We believe that we are still learning new things in Scripture. As ancient as this text is, we don't believe that everything has been said or taught on what the Bible has to offer, or else we wouldn't preach every week. We wouldn't hold Bible studies. 
That's why we try to equip people to think critically and to engage the text honestly. That's the journey we are all on. As an example, let's grab our Bibles and we are going to look at an obscure passage from Genesis. Uh, this passage of scripture comes after Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, but it's the text right before Noah and the flood. I do want to uh, share that today. I'm going to be reading the scripture from the Jewish Study Bible. Earlier this week, Chris and I were looking through all the different translations, and this one really suited our message for today. Um, after the horrible hostage situation in Colleyville yesterday, how appropriate that we go to a text that unites us, us of different faiths and us of a similar faith together. This is called the Jewish Study Bible. From it, we will be reading Genesis 6, 1 through 4. When men began to increase on earth and daughters were born to them, the divine being saw how beautiful the daughters of men were and took wives from among those that pleased them. The Lord said, my breath shall not abide in man forever, since he too is flesh. Let the days allowed him be 120 years. It was then and later too that the Nephilim appeared on earth when the divine beings cohabitated with the daughters of men who bore them offspring. They were the heroes of old, the men of renown. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. If you all were at home by yourselves and you were to open up your Bible and read this particular passage, what would you do next? Would you grab a commentary to read what other people say about this passage? Would you email your pastor real quick? None of y'all have emailed me about this, so I know that's a no. Would you just uh, nod your head, take it all in, and keep reading the rest of the story? There's a lot there. On a first read-through, we may notice that it seems to suggest that divine beings cohabitate and produce offspring with human women. And that God then decides that humans should only live to be 120 years old. Then we're introduced to the word Nephilim, which is sometimes translated to giants. I'm sorry, what? There is a lot there, friends. It is a lot to know. It is a lot to learn. It is just a lot. One of my favorite writers, Sarah Bessie, was recently asked what she does when she reads complicated text in scripture. She shared that she does not try to explain the text away by saying, God is a mystery. But instead, she suggests the following. If a story upsets or disrupts you, let it disrupt you. It should. But then get curious. When we embrace hard or confusing or complicated or unsettling passages, 
we get to choose our next step. And it's important for each of us to have something that works for us. Or else there will be moments in our lives where our lives are shaken and we don't have a foundation to support us. By taking Sarah Bessie's advice and getting curious with unsettling passages, we are moved to take that next step, to learn more, to gain a fuller understanding of where the passage sits and why or if it's important to us today. This all leads us to the next hurdle we face when talking about the Bible. What do we believe about the Bible? Do we believe that scripture is inerrant, that it is literal in every single instance? Do we think that the Bible has a variety of different types of writings compiled as one larger work, meaning that it may consist of poetry and fables and history and origin stories and parables? Do we think that the Bible is an instruction manual that contains exactly what we need to do to follow Jesus, or maybe exactly what we don't need to do to follow Jesus? Much like we all read scripture differently by using different guides and techniques, a lot of us here may too have varying opinions on what we believe the Bible is. Yes, we can all agree it is the word of God. We repeat it after our scripture reading every single week. But what does that mean to us? And why is it how we interpret scripture? In the United Methodist Church, we have an official stance on what we believe about the Bible. We have official stances on a lot of things, friends. Uh, and as Methodists, we have a high view of scripture. We believe that scripture is more than a book. It is something that moves us even today. This view is shaped heavily by what we as Methodists call the Articles of Religion and our Confession of Faith. This is the part where if you're not really into history, you can just close your eyes for a few minutes, but I hope you will stay engaged. And if you wanna know more, all this can be found in the Book of Discipline, quick plug. Okay, in our Articles of Religion, there is an entire article called Article 5 that says we as Methodists believe that scripture contains everything necessary for salvation. And that if anyone says something outside of what is written in the Bible is needed to believe in Jesus, that's not something we really take stock in. We only use scripture as our basis at how to know God, how to know Christ. Another one of our doctrinal standards is the confession of faith, and it comes from the Evangelical United Brethren, who the Methodist merged with in the late 60s. You guys, I love Methodist history. I could go on and on about this. Please, I'm so sorry for boring you. And in the confession of faith from the Evangelical Brethren, we get this passage that I really, really love. We believe the Holy Bible, Old and New Testament, reveals the word of God so far as it is necessary for our salvation, basically what we just talked about in the articles. Then it goes on to say, scripture is to be received through the Holy Spirit 
as the true rule and guide for faith and practice. Whatever is not revealed in or established by the Holy Scriptures is not to be made an article of faith, nor is it to be taught as essential to salvation. I like this passage because it talks about Scripture containing everything necessary for salvation, and it further clarifies that we believe Scripture is divine revelation. We believe that scripture is ever changing, that it is a relevant, holy word. The spirit is moving in this text. The Holy Spirit moves within the stories and the teachings and the letters and makes it still relevant for each of us today. As United Methodists, we don't believe the Bible is just another book. We believe that scripture is actually a means of grace received through the Holy Spirit as the true rule and guide for faith and practice. John Wesley, who you all know I call the unintended founder of Methodism, John Wesley believed in this concept that we all, some of us, may know today as the quadrilateral John Wesley believed that the living core of the Christian faith was revealed in scripture, illumined by tradition, vivified or made real in personal experience, and confirmed by reason. In confirmation, we teach students that we hold scripture as the highest source of what we know about God and more specifically, the life of Christ, and that we also use tradition, experience, and reason to interpret and to go deeper in the Bible. We don't check our brains at the door. We read with a fullness. It's a really hard concept to teach seventh graders. It's a really hard concept for most of us today. Since August, I have been meeting with a group of young clergy people across the United States. We meet over Zoom because thus is life these days, and uh, Slack, which is a whole nother text thing that I don't really understand, but I'm a part of. Anyways, so meet with these young clergy and we dream about the future of the United Methodist Church. This group has led to an even smaller group of people that I'm meeting with where we have been analyzing the Methodist Church's theology. Now, we're not trying to rewrite or to redo anything. Instead, we are looking critically at things like the Articles of Religion and the Confession of Faith, and we're talking about that quadrilateral and we're trying to pay attention to where we may be missing the mark in expressing our beliefs. Talking about how we read the Bible and what the Bible means to each of us is difficult because it varies. It's hard to find words that adequately convey the importance and the living aspect of it all. I love that we have this history and these well thought out statements from the Methodist church, but I know that for some of us here, that may not mean a whole lot. This is the tension 
that passage that we read from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, in some of the very first chapters, it is a passage that has centuries of controversy wrapped into it. People have been arguing since its inception, since it was first read, about who the Nephilim were and why God decided to limit humans' lifespan on earth and who's to blame for that. People have questioned, was this only put in scripture kind of as a foreword to the flood and why the world needed to have a flood in the first place? There are a lot of questions about these divine beings and how they even came to earth. If you find yourself interested, a quick Google search will bring up article after article of article of good, deep, scholarly work on this single passage. Four short verses of the entire Bible. As I met with young clergy, with my colleagues, we had to ask ourselves, how do we unite in the face of such historical division of people who have such different understandings of what scripture means for us today and why it's even important? When we talk about the Bible and our interpretation of it, most people are so set in their own personal views that it's really hard to meet on equal ground. How do we convey the importance of scripture and still leave room for the Holy Spirit to work in and through each of us, just as the Holy Spirit worked in the conception of such a holy book, such a means of grace? my small group of young clergy, the theology group, we ended up uh, taking our own stab at writing a theology of scripture based on our Methodist doctrine. Here is just a little snippet of what we wrote. As we encounter the word of God through the words of human beings inspired by the Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that it is impossible to interpret scripture in a vacuum. Faithful Christians properly read scripture within community. Likewise, we claim no authority over scripture, but rather humbly open ourselves to be transformed by the truth of the biblical message. Sarah Bessie says to get curious. My group says to stay humbly, to open, to stay humble, to humbly open ourselves to be transformed. This is the key to be transformed into a relationship with Christ, to be made new, to be transformed by such an old, ancient, sacred text. When we are curious about what we're reading or what we're hearing, when we come to the Bible with humility, we are sure then to find ourselves on the most exciting of journeys. Yes, this is only one of a million unsettling passages. How we read scripture and how we understand scripture is essential as we approach these kind of texts. As Methodists, we use reason, tradition, and experience to approach scripture. 
we must all wrestle. We must all look at these passages critically. We must gather with others and talk about it and share our differing views. And above all else, we must continue to follow Jesus. As Christians, that's what the Bible calls us to. The Bible shapes our faith and moves us into a love that cannot be restrained on written paper, but instead is written on the hearts of each believer. Amen.